Hey gang, uh, Chad Madden here and wanted to share three stories that all hit here within two days for me. You have to excuse my address here. I'm at home. It's the weekend. Just got done running to the grocery store, spending some time with the kids. But I wanted to get this out while the stories were fresh. So story number one is I'm going to my dentist. I've been with my dentist my entire life, so 40 years. He did my braces. I've known his family pretty much forever. He's known mine. My parents went there. Anyhow, it's a Thursday afternoon, about 3.30. I'm the only one in the parking lot. And this used to be a booming practice. Now, he's about 68 years old. And a few funny things happened while I was there that I just noticed were a little peculiar. But anyhow, the thing that happened is as I was leaving, he said to me, he's like, wow, like you're in T-shirts and shorts. I understand it's 97 degrees outside, but um, aren't you working today? And I said, I am working, but I happen to be working from home today. And he said, well, don't you go into the office and treat anymore? There aren't you busy or something like that. And I said, well, I'll be honest, we're seeing about a thousand visits a week right now, but we have 11 PTs and I treat rarely. Like if somebody flies in from, I just treated somebody from Idaho or Kentucky or Atlanta, Georgia, here to central Pennsylvania, I'll treat them while they're here. But for the most part, our, our therapists are much better PTs than I am. And um, unless there is a personal connection, they're going to treat him. So, and I could tell there was, there was more to that question and I decided not to go in it, uh, into it. I'm going to tell you why here in a second and how it pertains to you. So he's 68. He's at the end of his career. He's been a, a dentist now for, I think he's had his practice for 42 years in the location that it's in right now. It was a booming practice at one time. He's had to, I believe, lay off staff, has cut hours, et cetera, because not only because of his own capacity to work, but um, spending more and more time with family. Now he has grandchildren, very involved with them, et cetera. And it was a funny feeling for me to go through that, that conversation. But I, I saw like the staff was like riveted, like, and I think I know why, but um, they were like, wow, like, how can you? And I, I said, I only go into my practice three hours a week just to meet with the directors and the marketing team. And that's about it. Like, there's no reason for me to be doing anything in my practice really my sole passion is in BPTM. Now, this has nothing to do with me. Um, it has everything to do with you. And give me a second here because I'll tie it together for you. So that was story number one. And as I was leaving, he said something really peculiar, like four senses in a row. It was almost like uh, like if you've ever talked with somebody with dementia where they have like, they get caught on like an idea and it, it like they can't leave that idea. Now, my dentist, as far as I know, doesn't suffer from any sort of dementia. His mind works really well, but he got caught up in the word systems. And he kept saying like, oh, got to work the system. You got systems in place. But he said it four sentences in a row. And I was like, huge red flag for me. And oddly, I remember earlier conversations that we had about 15 years ago with around systems and his decision not to implement systems into his practice and what that means for him today. Story number two, as many of you might have seen, Sean Buck was in town. So Sean Buck, Newsletter Pro, co-wrote uh, the book with Dan Kennedy. If you're involved with GKIC, if you're paying attention to marketing, you've certainly heard the name before. Sean was speaking here in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We got together and uh, I shared this dentist story with him. At the end here, I'll tell you exactly what he said. But Sean was speaking to a group of, uh, I think uh, they were estate planning attorneys so the huge convention here in Hershey, Sean was there and we were talking about the situation. Oddly, Sean fell. So um, 
he was like, hey, can you treat me for my back? I said, sure, meet me at my house uh, tomorrow morning. He came here in this room right here. I ended up treating him. He did really well. And we recorded it and got it out to our owners in BPTM, which is really cool. But the thing that happened is as we were standing in the driveway and I was, I was kind of pressed for time. So I was d- handling, feeding the animals and walking the dogs, stuff like that. Our, the guy, Greg, the guy that takes care of our Mozart paddocks and takes care of our landscaping and hardscaping, et cetera. He happened to come through and he said, Hey, Chad, have a favor to ask you. And he said, I know you do the PT, but what else do you do? And I said, well, really, if you look at where we're at, you know, ton of competition. I went through hops and pops and big corporate PT practices, PT companies, everybody that we compete with. And I said, I'm basically sharing my systems with other owners. Now it's nearly a thousand owners all over the, all 50 states in the US and 11 countries internationally. And I said, like, how can I help you? And he said, well, I have a customer. One of my first customers ever is actually a chiropractor. Would you help them? And I said, well, the quick, easy answer is no. But I said, like, tell me a little bit about the story. And he said, well, the chiropractor's 79 years old. And I was like, oh, like strike, strike one, two, and three right there. Like, holy cow, like what, you know, what is going on? And it's, it wasn't something with age um, as much as it was, there's a history of behavior there that that person usually doesn't want to put systems in their practice. So that was my first knee jerk reaction as politically incorrect as that may seem. So anyhow, I said, you know, tell me more. And he said, well, um, he has uh, two sons or, son- or children that he's trying to get to work into the business, but basically he's not taking a paycheck. And I said, let me guess the wallpaper in the clinic hasn't been updated in 50 years. They probably have the same exact staff. They have no systems. They need an injection of systems all across the board that's all relying on the 79-year-old chiropractor. He said, you nailed it. And I said, well, oddly, this is Sean Buck. We just talked about this problem last night. Sean, give him the advice. And I'll share with exactly what Sean said to Greg here in a second. So that's story number two. And again, all this is within like 24 hours or less. Third story, I'm talking with my mom and she's telling me uh, it's really my grandmother who has passed... Oh, now almost 10 years ago, it was her husband. Uh, She was remarried. Her husband was a self-employed tailor. Awesome guy. And by the way, the two men that I know personally, my dentist and the tailor, awesome people. And I don't want that to be lost here. So anyhow, third story, I'm talking with my mom and she said, hey, went to see Paul. Paul sold his business. And I said, hey, that's great. And just before you get too carried away with that. I think he basically was able to walk away from the business without, you know, major transfer of equity or anything like that, but basically didn't have to take debt with him. So somebody bought the business, but he still works in it, 83 years old. And I said, well, how's he doing? And she said, not good. He fell four times, uh, had a hip injury, had a back injury, and, you know, ultimately wants to come in, but is really struggling right now. And I said, well, like, why doesn't he stop working? And she said, he, he really can't. And I don't know if it's a financial pull or if it's more just like that spiritual pull. Like, I can't not work. Like, that type of deal. So anyhow, that was the third situation. I was like, wow, like, we have a lot of people that are ending up or I'm recognizing, like, three different stories where self-employed professionals are hitting the end of their career and they don't have any equity in their business. They don't have any systems in place because they are their business. And that can be a problem for us because as private practice owners, here's what's going on. We're graduating 
from college, we're getting our degree, we go work for somebody for a year or two or 10 years or whatever it may be. We go out then and we open our own practice and we kind of tell ourselves this little lie that we have forever. So we have an infinite number of years. Um, so, you know, in the weeds right now, solving my own problems of opening my own business, I don't realize that 40 years from now, I'm probably not going to be able to treat at the same energy level, skill set level, enthusiasm level that I can treat at today. And that can create some problems for us if we don't plan accordingly and if we don't want to put systems in. And it's really a little bit unfair to say, hey, I'm going to have all this stuff at the end and I'm going to throw a Hail Mary when I'm 67 years old and then figuring out when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, or even 50s. So anyhow, this is kind of what it looks like. We're an owner, we're on this path, and we get to this decision point. And the decision point is, are we going to remain self-employed? So that's right here. So that's the S. If you know Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, S is for self-employed. And that's basically the situation where you are your practice, you're your business. Maybe you have a handful of staff, receptionists, billing, PTA, tech, etc. maybe even another clinician, but um, really you're trading time for money here. And whenever we get into a business situation where our only, our only arbitrage, our only solution is just to trade more time for money, frequently what happens is we end up working, you know, we start with a 45-hour treatment week, and then the only way we can possibly make more income is when we're getting squeezed, we, now we're doing 50 hours a week, that becomes 55, 60 hours, etc. And we quickly get lost there. So we become self-employed, or we choose that. This up here is business owner. And what a real business is, just by definition, is an asset that continues to produce income, impact, and does it in a financially stable way long term. Now, business owner can be a little bit of a bad word. Entrepreneurship can be a little bit of a bad word or even taboo, and that's kind of crazy. <laughs> if you just understand like the history of economy and, and the world and improvement and efficiencies and everything else. But anyhow, this true business owners can actually be like carry a little bit of guilt. And I'm going to get rid of that guilt here in a second for you. But business owner usually can leave significantly more impact, has much more financial stability and has some time freedom that most of us deep down inside really want, whether we're willing to admit that or not. However, as physical therapists and as physios, we want to help people. So we kind of get caught up in this mentality and there's a decision point of, am I being greedy if I really want to be a business owner and build systems? So that's kind of the first point. And a lot of us will just default, well, I'll just be self-employed and stay small, something like that. Now, there's a reason, a better way to look at that. But business owner is somebody that has processes in place, systems in place to efficiently produce a result tomorrow to help people, to you know, help them return back to normal naturally without unnecessary medications, injections, and surgery through physical therapy services. And they have systems around that. Their business isn't dependent on them. They can go away for 30 days or longer and not have to worry about their business collapsing. They're able to work on their business rather than in it, rather than treating all the time. So anyhow, we all have this decision point. And the decision point is whether we put systems in place or not. And most of us have no idea what that looks like. I did another episode recently for you where I, I walk through processes. I give real examples of processes, but most of us say that we need this. And I think even my dentist knows that he needs systems, but he has no idea what that looks like, 
how to put that in his practice. Because if he did, he would be having hiring systems to bring in additional dentists so that the practice wasn't solely reliant on him. He would have, here's an easy one, a marketing system. I've been a client for 40 years. Not once (laughs) have I ever received any sort of marketing or mailing or anything like that. And the thing that I noticed recently, he was asking me Facebook questions. So this is a 67-year-old, 68-year-old professional trying to go back and learn a whole new media when he never even understood the offline media, right? Or never even needed to because he was literally oversubscribed 15, 20 years ago. So do I build systems or not, right? And there's going to be a little bit of a commitment there. There's going to be a learning process. You have to go out and find systems and then implement them into your practice. And that's all what we're about at BPTM is finding those systems that are scientifically proven to produce results and then helping owners implement them into their practice. So we, we have this decision point and we can become, decide to build systems and become a business owner or we can decide, let's just leave it all in our head. We don't really need systems. We're going to reinvent the wheel every single day. And that's where we get that burdensome feeling from with our practice. And we're going to remain self-employed. Now, I want to go through some key variables for you. And I wrote them down just so I don't miss anything. So really quick personal story with regards to systems. When I first opened up, I very much had that self-employed mentality. And I remember I was about a year in, two years in. We had met our business, our original business plan within six months. And then we just completely plateaued. And I remember I was like working around 80 hours a week, going into the office seven days a week. And my wife pulled me aside and said, hey, by the way, this is great. The income's great. I'm able to stay home and be with our, at the time it was one child. So five kids ago, one child, but your kids aren't going to know you. So you need to figure out some time, some time issues here. So what I started to do is when I looked at building systems and it's all learnable, you can do this. And then I started implementing them. I had some time freedom. So the big thing that a business owner really creates is time freedom. The second thing that happens, oh, and I I wanted to share a quick story. So when I was at Cincinnati Sports Medicine at the time in the late 90s, I think it was the number one knee and shoulder orthopedic clinic in the world. So we were there and just protocol after protocol. And I, I almost became jaded against protocols. And there was this, I had this weird conversation as a PT that I wanted to be able to treat everybody as an individual and a protocol prevented me from doing that. Well, as I started to get into it, what I realized is a protocol gave me the structure and the framework to treat patients more and more efficiently. I didn't have to go through and reinvent the wheel every single time. You know, could we do a lat pull down, you know, six months after a labral repair or something like that? You know, going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, where a protocol protects me as I'm going through as a clinician. So I'm producing a more and more consistent result as I'm going through. But it created some time freedom once we started to put that in. Allowed me to work more and more on the business. Other owners, practice owners experience the same thing. Next thing that it did was it allowed us to create some financial freedom. And I'm not talking about going out and buying a Lamborghini or anything like that, you know, extravagant or whatever that may mean for you. And that's where a lot of owners go right away. But it might be the financial freedom to pay for rising health care costs for your staff, that you can still cover them and, you know, provide them health insurance. It might mean that you have the financial freedom to support the causes that you want to support, whether they're in your local community or, you know, schools in Africa or South America. Anyhow, so financial freedom to do the things that you want to do and leave the impact that you want to leave. 
which is really the third one. So, you know, when we walk away from our practice, are we going to have systems in place where we continue to leave an impact and maybe leave a little bit of a legacy and we continue to help people even when we can't treat anymore physically? Or are we going to be self-employed where when we walk away, the benefit to the community completely goes away? There's no more benefit. There's no more value being provided to the marketplace. And therefore, there's no equity here. So a lot of us, when we get to the end, we recognize that the reason that we buy a home versus renting an apartment is we want to build long-term equity. It's the same thing with our career. We can choose to be self-employed and have no equity at the end, or we can choose to create systems, build systems over time and have equity at the end. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around greed and extravagance. It can be just you know helping your employees transition or stay employed so that they still continue to have. And by the way, uh, just in interviewing owners that are transitioning out of their practice, whether it's an external sale or an internal sale, the number one thing that they worry about is their team and that their team continues to be employed and leaving an impact in the community, which is, it's really, really cool stuff. But people are still continuing to be helped and that you're continuing to leave an impact even after you're gone. The business owner that decides to build systems they get that, right? They realize that benefit. And it's a pretty cool benefit um, to think about. So financial freedom, time freedom, protocols we talked about. Okay, so self-employed, this is the person, it's all in your head. This person, in terms of financial freedom, and there was a study, I think it was David Bach wrote a book. I know he wrote uh, a few books on finance, but he wrote one in the late 90s. And I, I think he was a financial advisor at the time. And he basically said, you know, he looked at his entire list of, of clients and he noticed, he circled all the ones that were able to retire one day comfortably. So when they're, they were no longer physically or mentally, they were able to work and they were able to walk away from their job. The common thing that they had is they were all self-employed and they all owned the real estate that was under their business. But frequently, he said, their actual business, their profession, there was no equity in that at all. So when they walked away, they basically closed their office and they got, they realized nothing for it. There was no value at all. Somebody didn't want to take it over. They weren't trying to pawn it off on their kids. And sorry if I offended anybody there, but you know, they weren't reliant on their kids to continue the practice. And they didn't have to worry about realizing a ton of equity because they had equity within the real estate. That was the only mechanism, the only situation that was successful from what David Bach saw. And then he sought to change that, but that's what he saw. So no equity in the business, only equity that they had was in real estate. And frequently they had owned the real estate, I think he said 20 plus years. So that was one. So no real financial freedom there long-term. You're trading time for money over and over. Next thing is time freedom. And you know, uh, really tough to go back and learn systems at 70. You know, would you rather do that at 70 or would you rather make that decision in your 40s or 50s? You know, the time for many of us is now to do that if, if we're going to do it. And we're serious about having equity when we're done. Or, you know, do we want to rely on something else? Maybe our 401k, simple IRA. Maybe we put a little bit of money back. However, statistics tell us that most people don't do near enough saving in the course of their career or they think they're going to be able to just save this huge nest egg at the end in the last few years of their productive time. And, you know, really it is finite for all of us. We, if we're lucky, we might have a 40 year practice career. That's kind of the 
upper end limit um, that I've seen in, in just in terms of talking with owners and looking in the marketplace. So if you have 40 years, you know, what is that? Maybe off the top of my head, it's about 15,000 days to do something pretty significant. And building systems in those 15,000 days gets you here, not building systems gets you here. So it's no time freedom throughout your career. There's very little financial freedom unless you bought the building that your practice is in. And think about the impact. When you leave, when you're done, your staff is done. They don't get that next paycheck. They don't, you know, I'm a client in a, an office that's pretty much going to close the second that that dentist stops seeing patients. So I'm going to have to go find a new dentist and I'm going to do so and I'm going to live. But there are literally thousands of patients or there were thousands of patients that have had to do that over the years. So time freedom, really difficult to go learn this, to learn how to build systems in at the end of your career. The time to do it is the best time to do it was yesterday. The next best time is today. So, and then, yeah, the impact that just completely goes away. Now, one last thing I want to share with you. So I shared with you, I was talking with uh, Sean Buck and I said, you know, man, you, you know, you're working with attorneys, CPAs, PTs, chiropractors, orthodontists, all these different services. Like, what do you do when that person comes in and they're 79? And they're at the tail end of their career. And now they need this injection of marketing systems, you know, in order for them to have equity and ultimately sell their practice. And he said, pretty much, and I'm paraphrasing here, it doesn't work. He said, I've tried it, but, you know, they probably need 100 to 150K of cash injected into their business, redoing their space, going to have to let go of some recalcitrant staff, you know, Brenda the Bulldog at the front desk. And they're going to have to create all these new systems in place. And it's really, really difficult for many self-employed professionals to do. And he said, we actually don't even do it anymore. And he said, so, you know, if somebody's coming through and they're, they've been in the game forever and they just have this self-employed mentality that there should be no systems in place, they're going to have a really difficult time adjusting um, later in their career. The other thing that I wanted to say is, with regards to systems, I remember having this conversation with my dentist uh, 15 years ago, and he kind of gave me like that 1903 AMA guidelines. Like, you know, if you just opened up, if you open up your practice and you just treat people well, word of mouth will spread. And, you know, I think the exact words that he said, it, the Lord will provide. So it's some sovereignty uh, viewpoints in there. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have to do any marketing. And as I've shared in the past, that's a 1903 AMA principle separating physicians from charlatans is what they were trying to do at the time. Uh, if you think back that far, or you read like the history of healthcare in the, the U.S. But really, I mean, quickly we recognize it's pretty important that if I specialize in lymphedema as a PT, the public should know that. And I should be able to market that I specialize in lymphedema and not, you know, pediatric gait training or something like that. Like I should be able to say that I'm a back pain specialist and provide value to the public so it's okay to advertise. Anyhow, he basically said, you know, we're proud that we've never had to do marketing. And now when I watch like the marketing efforts that they're making, it's all self-employed marketing efforts. So it's going to health fairs. It's all these like huge efforts that are falling on the dentist versus, you know, 15 years ago when he was in his early 50s would have been really easy to adopt some systems then, send a monthly patient newsletter out or email host a few events, you know, put systems in place for patient reactivation, callbacks, uh, referral campaigns, etc. 
now, really, really tough to do that. So where am I going with this? Well, in the end, you really have a choice and there's nothing wrong with either choice, but I think you should be aware of the long-term ramifications when you make that choice. So you can decide to not build systems. Nothing wrong with that, but realize you're going to be, you're choosing the self-employed path. And at the end, unless you're fortunate enough to invest in the real estate that's under your practice, you're likely not going to have any practice equity. You're not going to have any lasting impact in the community because the second you're done practicing, your practice is going to go away and your staff is pretty liable. But there's a, they're operating in a pretty dangerous situation where if you are your business, the second you're done, even if you only employ, you know, two or three staff, they're pretty much looking for other work. So realize that that is the path that the person that's choosing to not build systems, they're choosing that self-employed path. The other path, the business owner comes with some pretty cool benefits. Number one, get some personal time freedom. You get the ability to work on your business rather than in it all the time. You get some financial freedom and not just not so you can go by, you know, take extravagant trips or have extravagant experiences or, you know, luxurious country club membership or anything like that, but financial freedom to not only provide for yourself and your family, but more importantly, your staff and continuing to provide in the community, whether it's through causes or continuing to take care of the needs in your community. And then ultimately that leads to impact as well. So you can get to, you can continue even after you're done. If you have systems in place that aren't dependent on you, you have those processes in place where you're reactivating past patients with your marketing. You know, if you're, if you have systems in place, like we teach in terms of going direct to the public, fantastic. If you have that working for you, have those systems in place, then you can truly have a business and have some real long-term equity there. So again, that choice is yours. If you want a really quick, short read, um, check out the book, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Today's, I think we're September 8th. Today's message is actually about all about choices and how we, we realize it's really, really powerful when we realize we get to choose here about what we're doing. So hope this helped you out a lot. And, you know, I think it's uh, something for us as private practice owners to consider exactly where we're doing and we get to choose where we end up. Thanks.